This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to see you out tonight. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand and our ushers will get you one. Just want to say I applaud you for coming to church on a Wednesday night. You know, I know many of you worked hard today, and I remember the days, what it looked like to work all day on a Wednesday and then get home and feed children and do homework and still get to church. So I, I applaud you. I really do. I, I think the Lord will touch your heart. And every sacrifice is based on preference. So once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. And as you're turning there, how about that rain last night? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't know if the, the rain thrilled you as much as it did me. I, I went out on my front porch. I went out on my back porch. I just thoroughly enjoyed the smell of rain again. Again, you thought we'd never had it before. And so thank you, Lord. That was such a blessing, such a blessing. Well, here we are in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, opportunity for your tithes and offerings. And the Bible's very clear that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So if you want to locate your heart, just, just follow the trail of your treasures. And you may say, well, where is that at? Well, it's right here in Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Passion Translation says, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Now, when you look at what the Lord's talking about here, he's not talking about prohibiting us from material possessions. He's not against me or you having fun, enjoying the things he's, he's blessed us with. What, what he's warning us about here, it's very easy to become selfish and then when selfishness begins to take part, then I begin to tie my life to the things of this world. And so God said, man, just where, where are your treasures? Many times this verse is misquoted. Many will say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. But if you notice, he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And so that's why it's very important when it comes to the area of giving. Here's the big question. Who gets your first? Who gets your best? Does Ford Motor Company? Does the mortgage company? Does LP&L? See, again, man, I, I go back and I think, I, I've got to honor God first with my best. And some people will say, well, I'll honor God once I've taken care of all my needs. Well, that's not the step of faith that he wants. And so when you step out there by faith and you give and you say, okay, Father God, trembling in your boots, saying, I don't truly understand how this works, but I'm going to step out by faith. And you give and you give and you give and you give. And you watch God bless and you watch God bless and you watch God bless and you scratch your head and you pull out your calculator and like, this doesn't make sense. Because God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100 so just the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Lord, we thank you for blessing us in every area of our life, provision, food, resources. Father God, we do thank you last night for the rain. Thank you so much. And 
Father God, we, we ask that you would direct our, our hearts, that it, it would line up with our treasures in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, why don't you turn with me the book right there in the first of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. And it's going to take me a little bit to get there. As you're turning to Genesis 4, remember Friday night here at 6.30 is a marriage night. Now, let, let me give a big invitation to you, okay? If you're married, you're welcome to come. If you're newlywed, you're an oldie wed, in between wed, whatever, I welcome you. But I also welcome people that are engaged. I welcome people that have a desire to be married uh, someday in your life just to come and get information. So if you have any thought about marriage, I welcome you. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's going to be outstanding. They told me a few days ago that you're going to have to speak on this. And I said, okay. And man, I had a divine appointment with the Holy Spirit. It was so good to me that Ramona can't be here Friday night. And she said, tell me what you're speaking on. And I said, no way. No way. You've got to be here to hear it. So again, that's Friday night at 6.30. After that's over, we have a few restaurants you can go to. And it's just to, to bridge some friendships here. Also, you saw that the senior recognition is this Sunday. The 15th, be sure and sign up online for that. And then you saw the youth barbecue, all the info on that. The reason we do that is our goal is to send as many teenagers as we can to camp. Because they'll have an experience at camp that is beyond. And so if you got teenagers, we welcome you. But be a part of that, okay? Say, well, I don't like barbecue. Well, buy it and give it away, okay? All right. Bless you. Okay, I told you to go to Genesis chapter 4. And... Again, I want to highlight stuff before we get going here. When you look in the book of Exodus chapter 20, that's the Ten Commandments, God's Ten Instructions. I like to call it God's top ten list. So the very first one of them says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So if I had other gods before me, do you think that would be viewed as a sin in God's eyes? Thank you, Gloria, for answering. The next one, he says, nor have any carved images before me. So if I had carved images or some form of an idol before, do you think that'd be sin in God's eyes? I do. Every bit of that. And so the reason I highlight this is because we, we live in a world where we're saturated with idols. And what I mean by idols, again, is anyone or anything that tries to take the place that only God can be. There, there is no really any true substitute for Father God. Sometimes we think there is, but man, the list of idols just goes on and on and on and on and on. So I'm gonna highlight a few things here tonight. And we start here in the book of Genesis chapter four, and I'll begin reading here in verse five. And let me tell you what's going on here. You've got Adam and Eve, and they have two boys. The first one was Cain. The second one was Abel. Those were the two first children of the, the Bible. So back, way, way back in the time of this frame here, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. He was a rancher, we'd call him. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was a farmer. Now remember, that's how they made their occupation. So somewhere in this passage, and I think it had to come from Adam and Eve, that they knew they were to honor God with some form of an offering. 
So they both take their offerings to God. But we pick up in verse number five, and it says, but he, God did not respect Cain and his offering. Now, as you look at that, you think, well, why, why did God not respect it? Could it be the attitude of his heart was improper? Could he have had wrong motives? Could his gift been beneath God's standards? I, I wish I could answer that question. I'm not totally sure on that. But we know here that it said God did not respect Cain and his offering. Whatever he gave. And so because of this, Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. He, he got mad at God. He's angry at God. Now, if you were to really to, to, to want to dive into this, he should have been angry with himself at his disobedience and his irresponsibility. But again, human nature oftentimes, when things don't go the way we desire them to, it's easy to blame other people. Now, they got that from their mom and dad. How do you know that? Well, remember Adam, when things got, got crazy in his life, he said to God, he said, it's that woman you gave me. And then Eve said, it's the devil. <laughs> it's the devil. The devil made me do it. So he gets angry. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Or why are you so sad and dejected? Now it's interesting to, this, to me right here that when the Lord says this or asks him this question, why are you angry? I, I believe the Lord was not only correcting Cain, but he was also confronting him with his wrong. So I, I highlight that because let me ask you a question. Who do you give permission to to confront you or correct you? Are you open to the correction of the word of God? It's, it's interesting here because the Bible is very clear that who the Lord loves, he's going to correct and he doesn't correct us to beat us up. He corrects us to help us. Verse 7. That's going to get real interesting. So the Lord says to Cain, Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do what's right, or yet if you obey... You'll be accepted or you can right your wrong. That's what he's telling me. He said, I'm, I'm the God of a second chance. Keep reading. But if you do not do well, if you refuse to do what's right. Now I got to highlight something in here for every one of us. He said, if you do what's right, if you do what's well, you'll be accepted. But if you don't. Now, whose idea is it for me to do right or wrong? It's mine. 
It's yours. So you see in here immediately, this is God. God made every one of us as free will, be, free will beings. And you know what he said? I'm going to let you choose. If you do what's right, it'll be well with you, pal. But if you don't, the New Living Translation says, watch out. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. Sin lies at the door. It, it crouches like it's ready to pounce. And it's interesting right here that when he says this, that he personifies sin as a demon that's literally crouching at your doorstep, just waiting to see what you're going to do. Sin lies at the door. Now listen real close. And its desire, its, what's the its? Sin's desire is for you. Sin's lust, its passion, its desire is toward you. Its goal is to dominate, to rule you. That's its goal. And he ends in verse 7 and says, but you should rule over it. Sin's desire is for you, but you should rule over it. You should dominate it. Sin should rule you, but it can. And so it's interesting right here that this is talking about some form of an offering. Nowadays, we could say it's some form of maybe money, a treasure there. And so again, we've seen over and over, money can become a god. That's all in Matthew 6 where the Lord said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve mammon, which is money, or God. You can only serve one or the other. So when I read this right here, sin has a way of getting out of control. And what happens with this is because he won't right his wrong and the, the very first point of righting my wrong for every one of us is, is I repent. I take ownership of my choices where I got off track. He doesn't do that. And because of that, sin wants to dominate him, rule him. Now, I'm going to tell you what happens here. Not long after this, Cain kills his brother Abel. This is the first murder in the entire Bible. So I go back and I look and I think, what would happen if he would have chose genuine obedience to obey what God said? Would he have ever gotten in this boat? And so oftentimes that's the deception behind sin. That's the deception behind idols that we think, oh, what's the matter with a little sin? What's the matter with a little disobedience? Well, what's the matter with this idol or that idol? And again, sin never shows us the final outcome. Now, I want you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 14. 
Ezekiel 14, and you may say, where is he at? Well, you'll go to Jeremiah, and then you'll go to the book of Lamentations, and if you've gone to Daniel, you've gone just a little bit too far. Ezekiel chapter 14 is where we'll begin here. And it's very interesting in this chapter because the subtitle in my Bible above chapter 14, it says, idolatry will be punished. It will be punished. So we begin here with the prophet Ezekiel, and this is incredible, this passage. Verse 1. Now, some of the elders of Israel... Some of the elders of Israel, these, these are God's chosen people. They came to me, Ezekiel, and they sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. Where did he say they set these idols up? Right here in my heart. Not, not this organ that beats, but the central core of everything within me is what the heart means. And it's right here he's saying, really? The, these men have set up these idols in their hearts. So he's telling Ezekiel, I'm not the center of their heart. Now who was this addressed to again? This was the elders of Israel. These were, were people that believed in God. And they put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. So these idols that are in their heart, they lead them to stumble into an iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is prolonged sin. So if you had time to look at it, this, this verse right here cross-references back to Ezekiel 7. Actually, Ezekiel 7, 19, you know what they put in their heart as idols? Gold and silver. Wealth. That was what they put in their hearts. Now look what he goes on to tell, oh, oh Ezekiel. And they put them before them, that which causes them to stumble in iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of at all by them? So what you begin to see here is these guys were probably what we would call Christians in name, in theory. And so evidently something's going on in their life. And so they're going to the prophet Ezekiel. And he's asking God, should I even let them come before me? So guess what? They're wanting advice. They're saying to the prophet, we need a word of God. I need you to tell me a word of God. Maybe in life they were getting pinched. Maybe they were getting squeezed. Maybe all hell's broke loose in their life. And they're saying, we need a word from the man of God. And so Ezekiel here, he's asking God right here, should I let myself be inquired at all by them? Verse 4. Therefore, speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God. 
Everyone of the house of Israel. Everyone in my Bible is now highlighted with yellow. Everyone of the house of Israel. So you know what that meant? Every one of them. All of them. Keep reading. Who sets up his idol in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity. Now, what's interesting, this is the second time that he repeats the exact same words again, word for word. He did it in verse 3, and he did it again right here in verse 4. And he goes on to say, and he puts him before him what causes him to stumble iniquity. And then he comes to the prophet. He said, I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. In other words, I'll give them the kind of answer that their idolatry deserves. You want God when life is a mess. And you pretend to be this Christian. You pretend to be these elders of Israel. But yet you want to serve idols. You, you make me second place. Hmm. Verse 5. That I may seize the house of Israel by their heart. Because they are all, they are all estranged from me. They have all turned from me because of their idols. Now, if you read into that, think about this. Anytime I begin to look to anyone or anything other than God, it turns my heart away from God. Oh, no, not me. I'm exempt from that. No, you're not. See, again, sometimes it may start out just, just little bitty disobedience. And I go back to, to Cain, and it seemed like just a little bitty thing. But it wasn't a little bitty thing. It's a big thing, and, and it's interesting what he said there, because they are estranged from me by their idols. The things of this world. Verse 6. Therefore say to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God. Repent. Repent. The very thing that God said to Cain. Repent. The very first thing he says is repent. And I think at times we look at repentance as a negative. That's not. That's a positive. Do you know that is the first step in righting your wrong? 1 John 1, 9 says that if you'll confess your sin, God is faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you. Repent. So you know what repent actually means? It means to verbally confess your sins. Your transgressions, your trespasses, rebellion, and even iniquities prolong sin. So all I'm doing is I'm stepping up to the plate and I said, Father God, I've blown it. I've blown it in this area. I, I personally believe this, 
that the greatest daily vitamin you can take daily is repentance. And some of you say, do you, do you blow it that much? I do. This thing called the flesh. My thought life. Have any of you ever blown it with your tongue? <laughs> See, here's a little help on the area of repentance. First Peter 5, 5 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know who the proud are? I'm not repenting. Kind of like Cain, I'm not repenting. Stiff arm God, I'm not repenting. And the longer I go without a repentive heart, the harder my heart gets. Repent. Keep reading. And turn away from your idols. Now, when you think about this, right, think on these lines. Part of repentance is to confess my sin, but you know the word repent? It means to do a 180. You know what a 180 is? Turn, turn. Grace me, Father God, that I, I quit doing those things. So the first thing he says, turn, turn from your idols. Get rid of them. And turn your faces away from all your abominations. And that's a good word right there. So I'm reading on the line of abomination here. And it says, it is an object of disgust that's a constant association with idolatry. An abomination is a constant disgust in God's eyes because of idolatry. So he said, get away from them. Get them out of your life. And if you're like me and you are, we don't have the ability to do it on our own. So, man, that's where you say, Father God, your grace has got to kick in for me. Oh, Jesus, I'm not going very fast tonight. Okay. Verse 7. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who separate himself from me, how do I separate myself from here? And he sets up his idols in his heart, and he puts before him what, uh, what causes him to stumble in iniquity, then he comes to the prophet to inquire of him concerning me. I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. So again, they're living for idols. They show up to the house of God and they say, you got to pray for me. You, you got to give me a word. And so to a degree, you know what they looked at God like? You're just an insurance policy for me to bail me out when I wreck my car. You're just an insurance policy for me, Father God. I, I like to keep you in the back seat because if something happens to me, your job, Father God, is to bail me out. Even though I got all these idols in my life. So really, God, you're not first place. Now, if this bothers you, well, I repent right now, kind of. But God's not some big sugar daddy in the sky. 
He's, he's not like a, a slot machine where you put your token in and pull the lever and woohoo, pay up, God. But it's amazing how many times we treat him. And so he, he ended verse seven there and he says, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. God's saying, you're not getting the prophet. You're getting el numero uno. Jehovah, the only God. Verse eight. Ooh, watch this. God says, I will set my face against that man and I will make him a sign and a proverb and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. The inconsistencies by what I claim to be and the way I actually live. I call myself a Christian. I'm a saint on Sunday. But then I live for the idols of the world starting on Monday. And so what you begin to see here is these people had a dysfunctional relationship with God. And when I read here that God said, I'll set my face against you, I'll cut you off. One translation for cut off said, I will oppose you. You know what I see right here? This wasn't a small matter to God. Why? We go all the way back to Exodus 20. The very first one of God's top 10 is, have no other gods before me. Have no other carved images before me. So again, I told you I didn't get very far. Let me ask you something here. Is God first place in my life? Or do I live for the idols of pleasure, the idols of entertainment, the idols of a reputation, the idols of popularity? I'd rather be popular with man than God. Woo! So I'm reading this article about this guy. At a young age, he wanted to be a doctor. Nothing wrong with that. But his goal in life, he said, was he wanted to be able to have people call him Dr. Paul. And he said, I could envision on my, my shirt, Dr. Paul. And so he started going through life. And everything in his life was, I, I've got to do everything I can to achieve this goal. This, this goal of becoming Dr. Paul, it, it ruled him. Actually, he said that it became his God. And he said when he was in the middle of middle school, school, he gave his heart to Jesus and he said, the Lord started dealing with me on this area and dealing with me on this area. And he said, I'm down to my last semester before I become Dr. Paul. 
And he said, the Lord started moving in my heart and said, you've made that the God of your life. That's what you live for. You live for the approval and the applause of mankind to say, way to go. Nothing wrong with that until that becomes your God. That's the only thing you live for. He's down to a week left to his finals exam. And the Lord has dealt with him. And he's dealt with him and he's dealt with him. The day of his final exam, the last one. He goes into his professor and says, I'm not going to take this final. He said, my whole life has been dominated by this. He said, the professor said, then I will fail you. And he said, I would rather you fail me than I continue to fail God. He gets his heart right. He said, I begin to serve God unlike any other time. He said, when I put God at the center of my heart, God released me to go back. And he became a doctor. But he did it God's way. And I think with all of us, is there some title that I just got to have? Is there just something in my life that just dominates me? It dominates my thoughts. It dominates my dreams. Actually, it denominates my, my relationships. Why don't you stand up here? It's 8 o'clock in the central time zone. <laughs> you know what that means? Pastor, shut up. But as I read Ezekiel 14, I thought, he was talking to his chosen. They took on the form of Christian. But they wouldn't serve him with their whole hearts. Whew. Man, he begins to locate me. You know, a couple months ago, I was really, really blessed. I've never drove a brand new vehicle in my whole life. Actually, if I had about five minutes, I'd tell you some of the vehicles I've drove. I drove one that I, I was the high bidder in an auction for $325. You can't even buy a bike for that anymore. I didn't like my kids to go with me in it because it's kind of like a, the Flintstones car. Man, you're all just. Any key would start it. I just leave keys in there. The house kids start any keys. I think, you know what, still is. I drove that car for 14 years. It would never die. I couldn't get I gave it away twice. It was red, but it really wasn't red. It had got a bad sunburn and it looked bad. Had a hole in the bottom of the floorboard. And every time I'd hit a puddle, water would come in. I drove some doozies. I really haven't. So, man, I, I really struggled with this new vehicle. And it's out here. It's a little white pickup. And you know what the Lord said to me? He said, what you drive is not who you are. 
It's just a vehicle. And I don't say this to brag on me. I say this to brag on God. I've given away three vehicles. <laughs> I had a guy, a young guy in the church, who said, I want to buy your pickup. I said, it's not for sale. He said, but I want to buy it. I went home and told Shelly. I said, so-and-so wants to buy my pickup. And she said, you know you're not supposed to sell that. She said, you're supposed to give it to him. I said, you're right. So I just went over to his house, pitched him the keys. Here's the title. Here's your vehicle. You can have it. Many of you don't know. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I, I promise I'll quit here. <laughs> many, many of you don't know that my real name, my, my real first name is Norman. <laughs> You're lying. No, I'm telling you the truth. And there's the responsible ones right there. They did it. I, I got a crazy name. My, my, my real name is Norman Compton. Norman what? Straight out of Compton. I have a shirt that says straight out of Compton. No one gets it but me. But. So this guy I gave the pickup to, he was so grateful. He named that little pickup Norman. Such an honor. But you know what I realize? What I have is just a blessing from God. It's not who you are. It's just a possession. It gets me around. Why don't you bow your head? We're good to go. Father God, we, we thank you for everything you've done for us tonight. And Lord, if there's things other than our Heavenly Father, Lord, that have dominated us, achievements, trophies, medals of this world, but Lord, we repent right now. Grace us to turn our heart back to you, Father God. Lord, I, I thank you right now that you become Lord of our life and we give you first place, Father God, in all we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once amen. again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.